whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> Relax. <laughs> Hello. It was really loud. Hi, <laughs> Jesse. Oh, hello. (sighs) Welcome to Close Distance Podcast, episode number nine. Number nine, the 2nd of June, 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say right now. I know, I know. I I honestly didn't think it could get more <sighs> fucked up um, in this world. Maybe that was naive. I thought pandemic. Oh, my God. We're going to talk about the pandemic in the podcast. And then it's going to be over. And then we can talk about that. And it just seems like what's going on right now in the States is just shit's just getting more intense and scarier mm-hmm. and weirder and... Um, I didn't see it coming. It's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not as shocked as it sounds like you are, but it's really, um, and I think only because I've, I don't know. I think I've been following like Sean King and a few activists that post like 10 posts a day. Mm about police brutality and stuff so it's just been like kind of in my feed in the past Mm. that it that I have I mean I'm shocked like it's not it's just I I don't it I'm still like digesting it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know Mm -hmm. how to feel Mm -hmm. conversations with others and um yeah there's just it's just a really It's a really interesting time for this to be happening. I think it's almost not helpful at all. I'm going to not be able to choose my words totally properly right now, but just um, people are out of work. They've all lost their health care. And there are so many people, especially in the United States right now, who have nothing to lose. And it's, it's boiling over. Yeah. Mm it's really boiling over and it's it's a tipping point that can go either way right now there are there are a few ways that this could go and without proper leadership i don't know what's going to happen like it's a really mm-hmm. fuck it's really fucked up um but it's really real and mm-hmm. i think we're starting to feel fear that uh black people feel all the time so eyes wide open yeah eyes wide open indeed like I okay I come from a a very like white area of Vancouver that's absolutely I've been I raised I was raised very sheltered from pretty much anything um sheltered from diversity sheltered from violence um you know very privileged that way yeah 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 that's interesting i don't i think there were i think there were maybe two 
one black kid in my elementary and middle school mm-hmm. and maybe a couple in high school um, yeah. and we had uh, waves of skinheads and white supremacy always around our school our high school they would come mm-hmm. once a, once in a while then they disappear but I mean across the street there were anyway it's just Hold continue. on a second, Nicole. Continue, continue. I'm sorry. I'm going to not talk. Sorry. Go. I'm just, I'm just, I've just got a point. Yep. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I did, I literally went to the whitest high school in Vancouver. Um, and so when I, when I went to New York for the first time and I was like 22 or something, I remember just like a whole, well, Montreal when I first moved here as well, just like my, uh, my whole world changed right like diversity Mm -hmm. um and all of the 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 beauty that that represents and and I'd never experienced before music art culture food style there was just there there was just a whole other feeling to the city Mm -hmm. uh that I'd ever felt in Vancouver and probably will ever feel and I remember when I went to New York for the first time though it was the first time that I felt I felt discriminated against because of my skin color and I'll never forget it. And it was a really powerful and important moment in my life. And it really like shook me to the core because I'd never experienced that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, over the years I've been going to the States quite a bit and, and, and I'm referring to what you, what you just said is that it like it's boiled over. And when I, when I've been down to the States, like when I was in, New Orleans a few years ago and I got to the lower ninth by myself biking there like an idiot. Um, it felt like there's this tension. There's a, there was a racial tension that you could feel that was like palpable. Like I'd never, like I felt so on edge, so on edge. And it's because I haven't experienced that much in my life. Uh, but also because it's real. There is a real racial tension in the States and for all the reasons. Yeah. And it's interesting because that you said it's boiled over. It's like, yeah, it's, it felt like it was about two yeah. years ago when I was down there. It's like, this has been, Absolutely. this has been boiling a long fucking time. Yeah. And, and uh, it has, it has boiled over. And I, and I wonder, like, I have lots of questions. How long is this going to go on? What, what change will happen? What, what, how is this going to affect Canada? I mean, that's up to everybody. <laughs> that's up yeah. to, I, yeah. I had a similar experience. My only experience, um, well, basically, I feel like basically I was introduced to more diversity when I went to Halifax. Uh, but when I say diversity, I just mean a little bit more exposure, but the community was completely segregated from the rest of mm-hmm. Halifax. Mm-hmm. We were warned not to go on certain streets as white people when that was just fear mongering. Like it was mm-hmm. almost making you more of a racist by them telling you to be afraid. And I remember, I guess I had a bad sense of direction back then too, because I remember one evening, because my school was open 24 seven. So I biked to and from school at all hours. Um, And just like 
ending up on the street I was told I just can't remember the name of the street right now um but just a specific street in Halifax that I was told to never walk up or bike up or whatever and I biked up this street by myself at night and I remember not even thinking about it I wasn't afraid I I really had no idea of like I just I had no fear because of more so because I was naive and um based on being told you know what I mean not because it was supposed like it wasn't scary I don't know if I'm saying it right anyway my point is is like while I was biking up somebody yelled like jokingly hey watch out I'm gonna steal your bike and I just remember not just thinking like like actually not having any kind of tools to even take that in but still sensing and hearing the sarcasm as though like, what is this idiot white person doing? Like, as though I wasn't in the know that like, it was so separate there, you know, Mm -hmm. it was so bizarre. It was, and it's, that city is also like pretty known for, for its racism. Mm -hmm. And I guess major cities in Canada have this as well. Um, but I mean, I sense it but here Halifax, too. Uh, Halifax has this interesting history with um, the slave trade, and the Book of Negroes by Lawrence Hill outlines this book. Um, in this book, a, a boat of slaves that that sought freedom in Nova Scotia. Have you have you read it? No, the Book of Negroes. Oh, no. it's amazing. I should lend it to you. It's you really, it? really good. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's a it's a it's a history of slavery in Canada that is not well known, and should be. And this book does a great job of of outlining it. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, did you hear today that Montreal cops are now going to wear body cams? No, I didn't. I didn't. I haven't been looking at Montreal news. I've just been sort of looking at the states. Yeah, they changed their tune. Unanimously, it's been voted they will that cops in Montreal will all wear body cams. Good. It shouldn't even and be an option. And that was something. That was something that they recently, Valerie Plante and Projet Montréal, said that it was not worth worth doing. It was going to be too expensive. Expensive. Blah blah blah. And today, wow, unanimously voted in. Just like that. Just like that. I wonder if it's because Legault decided to state that we don't have systemic racism in Quebec, even though racism is a problem. (laughs) I mean, what do we expect from this premiere? But yeah, it's uh, it's incredible how he can't connect the dots in this province. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have family in Philly who are talking about the fact that they had to vote today and the National Guard is there. I have, they were even able to vote and it's their primary today. Oh, it is. Yeah. Wow. And she said that she had tried to drive down. I'm not sure. I think her brother lives in downtown and she was stopped. Like there was no way to go down yesterday to see him. Wow. So I, have, I think I have a couple family members who live close to the the chaos. But I think Philly's been really, yeah, there's been a lot of violence there. 
But the videos of wow. the police that I'm seeing are, I mean, I just watched a video before you sent me, sent me the link um, of police and bricks in their car and, and like basically laying out bricks to sort of in, like entrap people to sort of entice them into violence. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, not shocking, but I'm so, I'm so tired of people defending the police when you see things like that. And then look at Flint, Michigan's sheriff went and took off all his, his body gear and told all of the cops to put down their batons and spoke to the protesters and, and uh, ended up, I think, walking with them. So, and basically wow. said, called it a parade. You know, there were children and dogs and, well, and he pointed that out just to sort of say, like, to acknowledge that they're there to, to demonstrate and not, mm-hmm. and not riot or, I don't even like using that word, riot. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, wow. I don't know. There are different things happening in so many different places around the States right now. And it's really hard to, to, it's really hard to understand and where. Oh God. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, we are, we are living. (laughs) I think it's safe to say that we're living in a really fucking crazy time right now. And I don't, I was, I was talking to some friends earlier and, and saying, I'm pretty sure that during the Spanish flu and the plague, people weren't working at fucking capacity, at any kind of capacity. Yeah. During a pandemic, somehow in 2020, we're all still working and trying to function and be a part of the economy somehow or anyways, like I know that I'm still working. Yeah. And I find that really odd and surreal and difficult to be like I'm late on deadlines yeah, because I'm same. exhausted and I'm also trying to frantically do my due diligence to keep up with the news yeah. because I care about people and I care about what, what is happening in this world yeah. and I want to follow the developments um, while living through a pandemic. I know. It's, it's, it's insane. I know. It's it's absurd. <laughs> it is it's absurd, totally and I wish absurd. we could all. I wish we could all just not work. I know. I wish we could all just take care of ourselves, each other, our communities, um, spend time in nature, drink water, get a good sleep, and try to just I mean, wait this out. All of that sounds like all of that sounds Wouldn't so that be- great. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so I far know, from it? the reality. I know, I know it's this. I, I know. To, and I hate to say this, but I had to call the police this morning because the construction outside my window continuously starts oh. between six fifteen oh. and seven, and it's like oh. this like strange juxtaposition of like they're they're working, they're building a condo, and I'm so so much more productive at in the evenings lately so my schedule is really off and I and I, I go to sleep mm. around two and then I get woken up at six mm. Mm. and I'm in a strange like Brutal. state 
it doesn't happen every day. It's just like sometimes it really throws me off for a few days. And I hate it. I just, it's strange to, I called the city to see if that was what I, who I had to call. And they told me to call the police. And I, I just felt it was so weird to be at that protest on Sunday and then call the police on Tuesday after protesting them on Sunday. Hmm. But it was, um, hmm. were you, um, have you been watching, were you on social media today? A lot? A little. Just a little. Just a little. Um, what, what about it? Do you, did, did you follow what happened with that blackout on social media and the confusion? No. Well, a little. I mean, I've, I've, I've been hearing conflicting things like about it. Um, but do you want to, do you want to talk about it? Well, I was just wondering, uh, because I, I wish I could, I can't remember the actual account that was created by those two music industry people that created the first, the Tuesday blackout. Um, mm-hmm. because there was a, there was that, that was created. That's one thing. And then there's, um, this other, this other quote unquote challenge of seven days that was created by two therapists, uh, activist therapists, um, who are basically saying to like mute yourself and amplify, uh, black people and to, and to, uh, you know, stop, don't post anything you can post in your stories basically, but don't use your, don't use your feed for a week. Um, Mm-hmm. is what is my understanding so mm-hmm. but what ended up happening and it's funny guys because i saw this at like so early in the morning before it started changing back but what ended up happening is this tuesday blackout which was i may get this a little bit wrong but i believe was the intention by these two music execs or pr people or whoever they were was to disrupt the work week in the music industry, which was to basically mm-hmm. say as musicians or people who work in the industry to, to black out their um, social media, to put up a black square and then focus on on talking to people that day and um, about how they can change change things within the industry and to just like don't answer emails or whatever is what that was my impression. And then that got skewed somehow into into people using the blackout tuesday but then using the hashtag for black lives matter which as a result if you were to look at the hashtag this morning it was millions of black squares and that hashtag mm-hmm. is used for activists to stay completely on top of what is going on uh, in real time during the day. And so what happened was Mm -hmm. like everything got blacked out and nobody could see Mm -hmm. what was going on. Mm -hmm. It was basically essentially Mm -hmm. doing the opposite of the intention. And it was so dangerous Mm -hmm. and nobody could understand Mm -hmm. where, where it went wrong. And people were saying like, it looked like maybe Maybe it was hijacked in a way, sort of like people just didn't really research what they were doing and they just jumped on the bandwagon and put a black square up and the wrong hashtag and thought that 
that was enough. Um, mm-hmm. It was just a very bizarre moment because at some point too, people were like, "Use, use uh, all lives matter hashtag. Use blue lives matter. Use the hijack the their hashtag so they start seeing, um, seeing things, you know." And mm-hmm. anyway, it was a very odd day. The hashtag seems to have cleared up because people slowly were informed to remove the hashtag from their posts, the black posts, like the black square. And it just, yeah, it was a very, yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, to be honest, I I, like, I I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it's a, it's a social media day. It's, it's a, it's a blip in, in the reality of what's going on. I think, um, like I, I heard all about this and I, of course, um, it's, it's upsetting that it would be derailing like mobilization and, and communication between organizers. But I, I am absolutely sure that they figured out a way to get together and figure it out and organize amongst themselves, not using that hashtag. I'm sure there's all kinds of groups that they're a part of that have nothing to do with that hashtag. Um, but I, I find it troubling, or not troubling, I find it confusing to know, like, what to do. Like, and I know this is, like, just a classic white problem. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but I also don't want to just stand by silently. And so, oh, no, like, what do I do? And it is, it is a real, that's a real yeah. feeling. That's a real thing that, like, I am also experiencing. Yeah. And, and I think... I kind of had this realization today where I was like, there are so many different people in any different subgroup that are going to think different things. There are some people that are going to say, don't post the black square or do, um, don't be silent, be loud. Um, don't talk, talk. Uh, don't talk to black people about this. Other people saying, yes, talk to us about our experience. Mm -hmm. It's, it's such a polarizing and, and there's so much, it's such a spectrum of experience and and of, and of like um, advice or, or, or desires for, for people outside of that group. And I think it, I just, I just want us to all, not feel paralyzed by the confusion of what are we supposed to do because of course do what you do what you want to do do what you feel is right but fucking do something and and don't just sit there in um a confusion or just kind of a, oh well i don't know because it's it's confusing which which i am like it's it's tempting right it's tempting to do where you're just like oh um and i think that's I think that's actually just like the, the the foundation of this whole problem for sure is 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 white fragility and um like i i have this okay so i at at the protest i had a big sign that said black lives matter and i put it in my window and it's a pretty big sign and i live in little italy in montreal and like to be honest it's a pretty white neighborhood and there's virtually no political presence of any kind of like Mm -hmm. you know group that's outspoken so so having this in my window I I don't know if I've ever seen a thing like this in my neighborhood like in a window 
And I saw this old lady, like, look at it, like stop and look at it. And I was going down the stairs and she just, she wanted, she was just confused. And like, did you talk to her? She she looked irritated. You know, she looked, um, she looked like she wanted to fight. She was about 75. (laughs) (laughs) You could take her. And I I just, it was such a, it was so, like, I was walking down the stairs and I was looking at her and I was just like, I was just in that moment, I was like, I'm glad that you're stopping and you're pausing and you're looking at that and you're, and you're questioning, not necessarily, you're just thinking about it. Just think about it. And I'm not going to have an argument with you about this. I'm not going to convince you right now i'm tired i want to go i don't i don't want to do that right now but i'm it was just an interesting she had her mask on and just her her look oh it was so funny i was like oh my god she's probably never seen that in her neighborhood that she's lived in for 50 years (laughs) exactly (laughs) and it felt good it felt good to disrupt a little something and that feels like the the least i can do Sure. I mean, it's important. I think it's, I like, I, I totally feel your, um, feel your rage or anger. I feel your frustration and anger when you talk about like just how many conflicting feelings you have about knowing about what we have as white people of knowing what the hell to do. Um, and I'm seeing it on, on every uh, every like white host who decides to post a video um, on their you know like TV show hosts like late night TV or Ellen or all these people who are expressing their pain but acknowledging they don't know what to do as well and um mm-hmm. what was my point <laughs> it, it's such a you acknowledge my rage <laughs> yeah and I feel it I also I also yeah. um. I also, I feel it too. It's, I find it confusing. I think um, this week I just really took to heart um, the Amplify Melanated Voices thing and just took it to heart because it was Mm -hmm. very specifically from a black woman or two black women speaking directly to white people on and and directing them on what to do exactly with a Mm step-by-step. And it was the... Where is this? What is this? So the woman, her account's called Black and Embodied. Mm-hmm. And the other woman who is included in it, um, her name is Jessica Wilson. And mm-hmm. Black and Embodied is Alicia McCullough. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to read it all out to you, but it's... Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can, I'll send it to you after and, and it's, it's. Yeah, we should link to it. For sure. Podcast. It's a very, it's, it's a reflection opportunity for seven days to mute yourself mm. on social media, which is why mm. on my look, I drew mm-hmm. you account, I'm muting it, but I'm posting in the stories, black artists that I'm finding cool. and sharing because I, because I don't, cool. this is like, this is my way right now to just. I'm finding some of the most beautiful things I've never even seen before. <laughs> and like, you know, once mm-hmm. you start, once you, st- the thing is, is like, for me, I sense and feel everything you're feeling that you express. And then I think to myself, 
that's this is just my own self analysis or self whatever of like all of this is at our fingertips. Like I couldn't believe that how easy it was for me to go from one uh-huh. account to another account to find another activist yeah. who is recommending two more people to follow. And then making this yeah. I made a list of like forty of them and I made like another thing for donating and like I like I, I don't know what to I don't know what to fucking do either. And I had a really, I was conflicted about going to that protest. I'm afraid of the pandemic. I'm afraid of crowds. I hate crowds. I'm mm-hmm, not someone who mm-hmm, attends mm-hmm. protests. I have been attending protests in the last like five years, more than I ever have. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's just been such a, for me, it's just been such a uphill um, learning experience that I am constantly surprised at my own ignorance um mm-hmm. and i've yeah. i've been talking to my parents passionately about this for the last however many years um and i've seen a shift in them um and i've seen a shift in how they view the world um from their bubble as well and i think that it's those types of i'm talking to other white people who are also trying to talk to their parents and like my parents' neighbor's daughter reached out to me and I don't necessarily totally, totally agree with, like we have just a different approach, but, um, and, and different perspectives on a lot of things, but also are two white women who are really willing to navigate it, I guess, even if we disagree. Um, and I think that's mm-hmm. where, that's where you start. Like you say, like you, you talk to people, you know, like I know you and I know this, mm-hmm. I know all of this is embedded in your work as well. You do the work every day mm-hmm. in, in what you do. And it's, oh, it's like, how else can we, how else do you create like systemic change or, or like how do we make this? stop (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it and it gets really overwhelming and then I remind Mm -hmm. myself like imagine Mm -hmm. how overwhelming it is for black people (laughs) it doesn't Mm -hmm. it'll never compare Mm -hmm. to my flustered I don't know what to do it'll never compare I'll never know what it feels like I will always live in this white body and I I will always have privilege Mm -hmm. unless we change things Mm -hmm. somehow (laughs) Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we just keep talking about it. Well, too. And, yeah, yeah. And don't be yeah. afraid yeah, of it. Totally. Yeah. Like I, I, I know that there is, uh, there, there's obviously racial profiling and police brutality in in Canada yeah. and the RCMP. Oh my God! Yes. Um, and and police. Um, Racial profiling with black people, of course, uh, people of color, um, because of the work that I do and, and my communities and my friends and my circles, the indigenous situation is a lot closer to home for me. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot more tangible yeah. for me because when you start thinking about, well, how do I decolonize my life? The, the easiest thing to do is give up my home. 
this is not the land. Mm -hmm. The land that I bought does not actually, I don't actually own it. That's not mine. Mm -hmm. It's not mine to own. It's a lot more tangible. The Black Lives Matter movement, that is something I obviously, I absolutely get behind. It's a lot easier for me to support because it's a bit more abstract. I don't. That's interesting. I don't live in the States. I don't live in the States in the South or, or even in, like, I don't, I don't live in the States. I don't have that. I don't feel that tension. I don't have that connection to that fight and that struggle. Um, but the indigenous struggle in Canada, I do. And that was what I was really, I was really happy to hear the introductory speeches at the George Floyd protest on Sunday in Montreal was a huge amount of indigenous issues. I, did, did you hear those speeches? It was really far from them. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, there were, there were two indigenous leaders back to back that were speaking about the indigenous experience with police brutality in Montreal. And it's like, this is, I, I just, I that's, just was really happy. That's to hear really that. good. I was really because happy that is something that, that we see here. That, that is something that we see here. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, it's very visible. It's like, it's out in the it open and, and the police don't care at all. Yes. <laughs> the, the police and... are overt in their violence against indigenous people in this country. They have yeah. since this fucking country was colonized and they continue to in, in all territories yeah. in, in all Southern provincial provinces and Northern territories, RCMP especially are so bad. It's, it's criminal. It's criminal. And, um, and that's, and I, and I hope that that gets the attention that it deserves. That, that can I, I think it is. I think it's, for example, the body, the, yeah. No, no, yeah, I just think yeah, I've, sorry. I've seen, Go ahead. I've seen the like videos of like, it, oh, I'll have to find it. Of just sort of like these, all of these struggles go together and they are joining up in, well, in, yeah. with power. It's, yeah. it, there, it's incredibly powerful to see all of these people who are, have been oppressed for how many fucking years like join arms and then i just uh there's so much well and just thinking thinking about body counts yeah. thinking about body counts on all montreal police officers okay so that's great so we are theoretically going to be universally um not protected, but they need to be held accountable. You know for that, what that, they're doing. that it's, it's accountability. Exactly. For, for exactly, actual, exactly. So they're not exactly. I mean, the problem that they, that they fit, like I'm pretty sure that the, the body cams are heavily used now in the States, but they still have the ability to turn them off and they still do. And it's ridiculous. It, they shouldn't even be allowed to have them off. They should just be automatically on. If you yeah, what's the point? The gun shouldn't work unless your cam is on. Like, isn't it 2020? Make that happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Make yeah, it. Make a, a little lock on the on the on the belt. You can't take it out of your holster without the camera on. I don't know. There's just they're yeah. not. It, yeah. I think for me, I think the reason why the the states fascinates me 
more and it feels like it affects me more and I pay attention to it more is because half of my family is from Philly. So it's, yeah, I'm, yeah, you yeah. know, it's very hard to talk to that side of the family. Well, I think all of my family, actually, 90% of my family, it's very hard to talk about white privilege. It's a, it's a huge, it's a huge challenge to not offend them. Not all of them, but it's just, it is such a cultural shift to try to understand that these people who think they live in the greatest country in the world and they have all this pride don't live in the greatest country in the world. They live in one of the most like poor and racist countries and it's just hidden. It's so hidden and embedded in their society. It, it, as soon as like, you know, there's all this praise for. That's not even not hidden. hidden right now. It's not even hidden. It's, I, that's, that's the thing. I feel like Canada has hidden racism. I feel like Canada does a really good job of pretending absolutely. that it's not racist. In the States, it's like, I feel like people are just like, fuck it. Yeah, we're totally fucking racist. Before Trump, it yes, wasn't like that. Like, it I've has been, changed it, drastically since he was in, as, as far as it being more visible and, and the people being basically proud to be racist. It's... In this, in the South, like in the South, like where I've been, absolutely there is overt racism, absolutely. and it is, it is, it is just a thing. Like New Orleans has this whole vibe about it, where it's like white New Orleans is very old fashioned. It's very rich, and it's very, um, yeah. it's completely segregated. Like I mean, like all, like everywhere, but like it had a different flavor to it when I was down there. I was like, this is just crazy. Like, wow. I felt that way a little bit in Arizona. But I was also in like, uh, I was basically in a retirement community visiting my parents who were there for a few months because my aunt Mm. owns a place down Mm. there. And uh, I mean, everyone's white. Everyone's very white. (laughs) It's just like, desegregation never happens. Really? I mean, it's just, it, it just turned into sure for-profit prisons. And instead of having these people work for nothing, like work for nothing out in the world, they're working for nothing behind bars and they're putting everybody behind bars. It like every person of color that they can oh, just, it is so obvious, I feel. And it's, I can't. I just. I can't articulate tonight about about. I'm. I'm having a hard time articulating about it. But there, there is some. There is a. There is a. There is. There's been a. There's been tears that I've cried over the 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 footage of scene and the violence and the pain that I know is happening and is a thing and I'm not part of it and I. It's really surreal and crazy to to witness it from afar um but what i i also do feel like a deep sense of of relief in that finally that has erupted it's something has it is it is a release it's like there's been a valve that's been released there has been enough is enough it's just like you know what this is it and to me, that's really well, they fucking just, exciting. There's, there, it's, there it's is all, the action yeah. or 
like actions are already happening. For example, where was it? I don't know if it, it's not, did I already say that? But four officers tased. Anyway, there were like four police officers arrested immediately, basically, after tasing and spraying students in a protest. And they just, they knew their badge numbers and they arrested them immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's mm-hmm. because they didn't arrest the man who killed George Floyd and it erupted into this entire thing that's happening now and it's boiled over. And so if they don't mm-hmm. start arresting Mm-hmm. bullshit police officers who are on power trips and violent racists behind these uniforms, it's going to keep happening. These mm-hmm. uprisings and these protests are not going to stop, especially when people have nothing to lose. Like people are willing to die for this mm-hmm. because it's so much bigger than death. Well, like when I was down in New Orleans, like, before Katrina, the population of New Orleans was like something like 82% mm-hmm. black. And you think about the 18% of white people that are overtly oppressing the yep. majority yep. population. This is, pro- and that this happens is pro- everywhere. police brutality. This is yep. systemic racism. This is, this is, That is the way that you keep a massive population. There was another town that has that example too. And what's so release that there's such a release for me and a relief in knowing that finally it's like, yeah, no, we are stronger than you. We are bigger in number than you. And we're, we, we have had enough and yeah, the people need to keep, I know. <laughs> freaking praise be. And the courage, the courage it takes to stand up oh and gosh, actually put your life on the line. And, 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 and doing it. And doing it day in and day out. Day, day in and out. For, for yeah. you, for your future generations. Exactly. For your yeah. kids, for your, you know, it's, it's like, that is the, 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 the heroes. These people are heroes. And we're witnessing it. I know. We're witnessing these people. Like, we are hearing about it every day. We are, it is just mind-blowing and inspiring. And if they can do it, if they can be heroes on the front lines, then as white people with this kind of privilege, we mm-hmm. freaking better be doing our work. I agree. <sighs> it is time. It's, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> And it's also time for us to wrap it's up. It's both of those things. <laughs> uh, um, uh, okay, I will. Uh, I'm gonna get those links together. For those. Can't wait. Okay. Oh my god. We got no some work shit. to do. Let's just keep talking. It's uh, no fucking time to be quiet. And keep mm-hmm. talking to the people you don't want to talk about. That's right. Uh, talk to you about this with. It's it's That's like right. it's really time to, yeah. to be a little bit more brave and uh, uncomfortable. And yeah. it's it's okay to make other people co- uncomfortable. I think we just need to mm-hmm. 
Uh, I hate to say win, like win people over with honey and try to like, it's, there's a way to do this and I don't know how yet, but um, it's hard to talk to people and we just have to fucking do it. So. Well, and I, I think that the pandemic for me at least, and I feel like it has a few, like some other people that I know who've told me so, but like the pandemic, I feel kind of like eliminated the bullshit factor on a lot of different things, you know, it kind of like clarified some things like, what do I really want to be doing? How important are my friends to me? Really, really super important. Turns out, um, what do I really need at home? Uh, what are what are things that I've been doing that I didn't actually really want to be doing? Yeah, it kind of seemed to like clarify I've, some. I've been very much questioning and, my you know my presence in this province. Like I've been really thinking about that. I've been here thirteen yeah. years, and it's weird how that has really magnified mm-hmm. it for me. Of like, without softball, I'm not sure what the hell I'm doing here. I feel really separate from mm-hmm. from this province. I don't know. It's, I mean, these thoughts go in and out. I mean, everything is just changing a lot and it's just like one thing that has come up, you know, that I didn't expect. Well, what I was going to say is that I think there's like a kind of a crystallizing or like a clarification with the pandemic that I'm hoping that like, at least I feel like I can apply to this where it's like, there's no more being nice this is nice guy or whatever with yes the relative yeah. that's being racist like i don't care anymore i don't care anymore and I, this isn't the time to be oh my god to, i know to dance around it like this is this is the time to be loud and to be clear and to to try our best and that means being loud and pissing people off and that's what it means yeah. and um that's that's just it um but yeah let's let's um let's talk more next week about future plans yeah i think we'll still be talking about this next week too Mm -hmm. i think we will i hope so i think we're yeah yeah indigenous issues definitely it's not just the black struggle not at all in canada oh man so many struggles but um you too. It was really good As to always. talk to you, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love you. Okay. Love you. Bye.